ジラのサンタクロース赤い帽子がよく似合うお土産いっぱいミニラも一緒ほらほら聞こえる鈴の音
I'm not saying it's a bad film at all. It's just a bit weird that it's suddenly become number one from like number 19 or something. <laughs> I've never even heard of it before. I'm so confused by it. I'm like, what? I, I actually like John Dealman. It's a really good movie. It, you have yeah. to get prepared for it. You know, if it's you've got like you're doing your... three and a half yes. hours and you're going to do Ooh. housework at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing, right? So it's really slow cinema. A lot of it is you're just watching her go through her day like and literally like every fold of aluminum foil on a sandwich she packs mm. and you know you're getting all that detail but to me like there's a lot of meaning in that and then it really sets up the end which i won't spoil it, but yeah we, yeah we won't spoil it it's not yeah. all all ironing and meat needing but mm. a lot of it is but it's just really strange and i understand why it's there but i don't think it actually got voted there i think it was editorialized there that's Could my be. that's my statement Could for be. the day well let's let's, let's let's see next time round where it mm. ends up but it's it's also good, you know, as much as I love Vertigo and um, Citizen Kane and Tokyo Story and all the usuals that end up at number one. It's really nice to see something else. And at least it's provoked a debate, hasn't yeah. it? It has. And I would say for me, at least, I actually do like John Dealman better than those three movies. And I know I'm weird for thinking that, but um, yeah. So who knows? Yes, maybe there was some editorial influence. You're not weird. You're wrong. But that's... <laughs> Yeah, but I won the poll. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Is there any one film that that anyone would have added to the list that obviously wasn't on there? Obviously, I've been very outspoken already in saying that Battle Royale truly deserved a place on the list in terms of rewatchability and cultural impact. Not to mention, as we've mentioned so many times in the show, they opened the floodgates for the revival of interest in Asian cinema. Um, but would there be anything that uh, you three would have added to that list that was obviously missing? So for me, it was more like there's 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 a film on there. It's in the low seventies, I think. It's Get Out, right? Jordan yep. Peele's Get Out, which is fine. It's a good film. I understand. Again, it feels a bit editorialized in because of its subject matter and the times we live in. It's it's a good, smart, clever modern horror film that for me has got an ending worthy of a carry on film. It's stupid, and um. I would have much rather seen something like, you know, if you're going to have a contemporary horror film, maybe something like The Lighthouse or um, or Midsommar, which I think are much more interesting cinematic films. They do they do interesting things with cinema, which is what most of the films on this list do, rather than being a fun little twist. Which is what I think Get Out is. I think I know if I'm going to pick a Jordan Peele film, I'll pick Us because I think that's just more interesting. Well, I mean, we've obviously with Get Out, it not only was important because it was a one a black horror film, especially where the black folks weren't being killed off. I mean, the last sort of example you could look at were the people under the stairs. I mean, it also opened up the whole genre of Afro surrealism, which in turn, much like Black Panther, opened Afro futuristic. Um, I again, I, I have I have no general problem with it mm. as a film i just don't think it's one of the hundred best films of I've... all time i think it's i think it's a very good episode of the yeah. twilight zone i probably would have liked um, it more had it not just ripped off being john malkovich's twist well yeah it's it just doesn't yeah anyway that's why I'd, I'd much rather okay. see midsommar which was just a, a much more cinematic experience within a horror concept mm. but, but, anyone else I don't know. I mean, I would, you know, I think they have improved the international nature of the list, which has been nice and not just international, but people of color, more women. 
Um, I would like to see that continue. I don't know that I have specific titles. I was actually, like I said, I liked yeah. this list. I mean, I loved seeing things like Portrait of a Lady on Fire and, you know, just a lot of, uh, Beau Soleil is such a, uh, sorry, Beau Travail, is it? Let's see, the, the Claire Denis film. Beau Travail, yeah, great film. Um, so a lot of things I love are actually on here now. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of happy with this list. Um, yeah. And, and those lists, you know, there's always a contemporaneous nature of those lists. And so what would be interesting, like I say, next time is Will Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I think it's like number nine or something. It won't no. be number nine in five yeah. years time. Right? No, it won't. No, it won't. Um, and, and I'm happy to see something like from Claire Denis as well. Maybe that wouldn't have been the film I'd chosen. I'd like to have seen a lot more African films if you're going to internationalise. Exactly. I'd love to have seen a lot more, you know, um, films from the subcontinent, maybe. Yeah. I don't think yeah, there's any. Exactly. Is there any? That's right. No, there's none. The there's none. Uh, uh, maybe there's a, is there a such a Jitsurai on there? Maybe. Yeah. I have to but, look through. I think Panther Pachali is maybe on there. Yeah, anyway. It, it's still very biased towards America and exactly. France and a little bit, not even that, it's not even that much Spanish language stuff. You know, there's, there's no, a whole, there's, that's right. there's a whole continent they're not touching. Really, exactly. So. so that, if I would like it to go somewhere, that would be what I would like is mm. more international. Okay. Uh, Nick. I'm I'm of two minds. I would really like to see, <laughs> and I'm not I'm not. This isn't a joke. It's, it's a real answer. I would really like to see the Holy Mountain in there. Uh, mm. I think it's really intense. It's avant garde. Mm. It's getting into you know Spain uh, Spain and Spanish surrealism and all the you know incredible work that they're doing down there. Uh, I just had the other one popping in my head, but I immediately lost it. Um, but I would like to. Oh God, that's gonna. That's why can't I remember it now? I'm scrolling yeah. through this list and it clicked in my head, but now it's gone. I also would like to see like more documentary-based things. Earlier this year, I saw Flea, uh, which was uh, a Great recording. Film. Right? Love it that was film. so good. It yeah. was so really good. good. I would, I'd like to see like something like that on there. You know, Nicholas I, or Nick, I think the distribution for that is probably not ideal, and I think that's the issue here. I think mm. films with better distribution and things like a Criterion release, I think, are more likely to get on this list. And I think, uh, at least in the U.S., Flea is, I think, buried somewhere on Hulu. I don't think people even know it exists, and it's mm. such a good film. The other one, it just clicked on me now. Uh, Come and see. Oh wow! I know it's. Oh yeah. yeah. Is that not that's on? Surprising it's not on there. I'm surprised. I... I yeah. didn't see it, but maybe I'm not looking at the full list. But at, I watched that recently, and it's a gorgeous and beautiful film. But man, did it break my mm. heart and just almost traumatizing. It's 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 think, much. It is well, very much. Do you much. think that its uh, exclusion from the list is purely political? Because obviously Russia is uh, not the favorite country at the moment, and obviously in turn has managed to sabotage our own side project here on the show. Um, so. <laughs> and it's really frustrating because I would love well, to bring um, Why Don't You Just Die um, as a little like side episode ooh, to the show. But obviously it's Russian cinema and Russia isn't obviously our favorite country at the moment. So, Well, I, I think the thing is like no one understands that there's Russian cinema outside of Tarkovsky. Right. Everybody just <laughs> goes to him and everything that he's done. And that's kind of shame because. No, no, well, a lot of the modern Russian cinema is fantastic. Things like Nightwatch and um, been been another excellent example. There's really good things, and even just like the trashier uh, side of things like Guardians, it's a lot of fun as well. I, I don't think Nightwatch is as modern as you were thinking. Yeah, it is, but, mate. I think it's about twenty. It's nearly twenty five years. It's worrying old. was twenty years ago. <laughs> <laughs> as I approach forty, that. Uh, 
that crossroad doesn't seem uh, as close anymore. Tell me about it. Tell me about it every day. But but Nick's <laughs> right. You know, we always. It's always. You know, if it's going to be anything, it's going to be Stalker or Mirror or or Tartowski. Yeah. Solaris or yeah. Solaris. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, if, if there's even sort of things like Russian Ark, which is just that's again, <laughs> if, if you want to go for something cinematic, that's you know that that's that that. It's up there for me as well but um i mean it's a cool movie and all but i feel like you watch it once and you get it and you don't revisit it like you would other ones um and indeed and is that one of the criteria um that 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 it has to be rewatchable i don't know because i mean that's the issue with all of these lists right there is no criteria and that's why everybody just starts arguing because we don't even know what these are ranked based on so yeah and and go back to where i started it's all a bit sus (laughs) <laughs> it's something something's but it doesn't matter because all lists are like that we've just you know edward and i have just spent two weekends recording our next 50 favorite films and ah. and you know even we're it doesn't even match how the show's gone yeah. <laughs> it's, so, yeah. it's difficult to compile a list when you're basically telling the other person on a sort of weekly basis what you've been watching in the genre that you're compiling a list of and to try and come up with a list that's surprising <laughs> to that other person not gone like oh you've just chosen all the episodes that we've covered um <laughs> that see but that is how this list is made oh criterion just put these things out i'll just watch them like daisies right i feel like daisies there has recently been mm. a criterion release i'm sure that's why that's on this list. i did recently watch the um it's a great film i like daisies but that's why it's recency recency of watching right it's hard to fault yeah. criterion when they do such a good re- job of restoration though i just watched the killing recently and it mm-hmm. looks like a new movie the cut of it yeah so <sighs> am i right and this was like his yeah. second yeah, movie Kubrick did. And there is some revolutionary stuff with like single takes and long pans. And it's like, you can see where Tarantino was like influenced the hell out of it for like Red of Our Dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. Did you watch, did you watch the other version of it as well? Oh, the Killing. It's, yeah. On the Criterion DVD. It's oh, I've only seen the, uh, the original cut. It, so, cause I've sort of been mm. on busy weekend because i've had to watch that and city on fire and this and this was like an hour and 40 minutes of my film watching so i think you're thinking of the killers i am on sorry thank you nick yes because this this is the yes Kubrick one, this is it? one with the uh, egg yes killer yeah killers yeah. is the the Henry yeah. it's like the 46 and the 70 that's right that's one's got one's got burt lancaster yes. in it i'm sure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's right yes and the other one has ronald reagan that's there you right, go. Yeah. So, anyway, so that's I've completely diverted you off. It's because I don't like standard <laughs> movies. I can't. Oh really? Well, I that sounds like another the podcast. Other, there. I, don't I know. watched Lita the other day for the first time, and what a load of shit. <laughs> Honestly. Well, that's probably not his top work, so I don't know. Oh, I know. Let's yeah. get Peter Sellers in just to do random <laughs> impressions of people. What the hell? <laughs> Talking of Russian stuff, you know, <laughs> although I guess Netflix wrote it in the States. So, yeah, whatever. I've, I've yet to, I've yet to be totally bowled over by a Kubrick film and it just beggars okay. belief the love he mm. has for me. But I, I get it. I get why yeah. people like it and I get he's done important things. But every time I'm just like, what am I missing here? <laughs> Not even like Clockwork Orange. Well, we enjoyed. Okay. We did. Worry. That's another um, show in the archive yeah. as well. So, 
Yeah, we've got we've got a whole other show I've yet to get and publish that we recorded a year ago. Oh, <laughs> right around the corner, guys. Okay. <laughs> wow. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. Um, so obviously looking to our own sort of movie watching ahead, is there anything that you sort of like scheduling in over the festive season or for like the year ahead that you like really want to see at all? I have not had a chance to see Broker yet. I don't know if you all have seen it. That's definitely high on my list when I can get a hold of it. Um, Apparently, Coreda is going to have another movie coming out next year as well called Monster. Um, So I would like to see those couple. Mm. I'm so excited to see the new uh, Park Chan-wook, which is now in Mumbai, along with uh, his short film Judgment. Uh, decision to leave. So yeah, I just saw it a couple days ago. <laughs> I've already had Nick's. <laughs> I've had um, Stephen's take. I've yeah. had David's take, and I've just yeah. not had five minutes to sit down yeah. and watch it before everyone else has given their opinion on it. So that's right. All right. Well, we'll talk later then. But I think I agree Thank with David and Steve. <laughs> uh, Nick, are you looking forward to anything at all? I mean, I kind of want to see the whale, mm. but at the same time, like I know it's going to be a real bummer. Like it's going to mm-hmm. be just a downer, emotionally draining film. But I like, I still want to see it though. I don't know what it is about it. I just I, that, I, I the Brendan Fraser comeback, right? We got to. I'm just in Doom Patrol. He's brilliant in Doom Patrol. Um, but I I just read a review of that on the CNN website, which isn't the usual place I'd go to to get a movie review, and it's I don't know what anyone involved with making that film's done to upset the person reviewing it (laughs) they have eviscerated it really i'm thinking it's oh yeah you know his performance is great everybody everybody else everything else everything about it is crap and i'm like oh it's a bit bit harsh (laughs) well the um one of the one the leads from bros um has also had to go at the whale um, which has joined his ongoing campaign of blaming everyone for nobody going to see bros, apart from the fact he is awful right. in bros. Um, he's blamed straight people. <laughs> he's mm. blamed the fact that the whale was coming out and that it's overshadowing his gay movie. And I'm thinking, well, we had a whole new queer movement before you decided to make a movie. So I think straight people have been pretty fine with gay cinema for quite a while. Um, but yeah, the most entertaining thing about bros has been watch him try and defend it by blaming everyone else for not getting his movie. Stephen, mm. what about yourself? Well, I've got to be honest with you. I don't tend to look that far forward, but when you, you obviously messaged the group earlier and I had to look, Oh, what's coming out in 2023. And it's just like sequels. <laughs> yeah. Mm. It's just yeah, exactly. everything is just, you know, and I, I'm all right. I, I like a Marvel movie. I don't get me wrong. Um, so I'm all right with those sequels, but everything else just feels like it, it's a sequel or a, oh, I don't know, or a, people are only expecting it because another previous film was good. I, I didn't see anything on there that I was like, oh, I can't wait to September when that comes out or something like that. But usually I, I'm not usually that far ahead. Anyway, I like I, I just let I've got so much to watch. I'm being I've got these piles of DVDs and Blu-rays just staring at me now, wanting to attack me. <laughs> I've got I, I I'll just pick up the stuff as as it yeah. comes along and, and 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 probably not watch the things I should and want to watch and watch other shit instead, <laughs> which is what <laughs> I normally do. Now I'm looking forward to Brandon Cronenberg's next movie, which I just saw some promo shots of it. Yeah, plus one here. 
Yeah, it's going to be cool, right? It looks um, really good. It's great the the fact that yeah. all the Cronenberg kids and Cronenberg himself are back on the body horror train because Brandon's always got Infinity Pool. Yeah. Cronenberg's just recently done Crimes of the Future. Um, his daughter did The Death of David yeah. Cronenberg, which was uh, quite a touching little short. Um, so, yeah, it's great to see them all bringing back body horror because it's been a while. Yeah. Um, and yeah, really looking forward to that. I loved Possessor. Possessor wasn't it was great? So good. So really looking forward to this one. Ah, so brilliant. Um. Yeah. So yeah, obviously going into the new year, looking forward to whatever Mike puts out this year. Probably looking forward to James Gunn not being everyone's favorite director once he now he's taken over the DC and started canceling things like Wonder Woman three. So it'd be interesting to see. <laughs> well, fair fair play to him. They're cancelling everything, aren't they? And good because they're all good <laughs> shit. Aquaman <laughs> <laughs> wasn't bad. Apart from apart from Shazam and Aquaman yeah. and the first Wonder Woman film, they've been dreadful. I watched Black Adam. I talk about not understanding the character. I just oh just, oh well yeah. Just the stop. The said that uh, Black Adam is essentially now an A twenty four movie because of the amount it takes. So it makes me really question his understanding of how A twenty four movies work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean bless you know, I, bless them for trying something different in terms of not just sticking with their. You know, they're trying to copy Marvel, and Marvel have just got this beautiful formula and. Whether you like them or not, you can't knock the the sausage machine that they've created and people go and watch mm. it. Um, maybe they're not knocking them all out of the park on TV, but at the cinema, people, even, even dire, boring shit like The Eternals, people are still going to watch in numbers that other people can only dream of, including DC. Anyway, that's my anti-DC I know rant. you went to Final Love and Thunder, so... Oh, that was a load of bollocks as well. God, it's been. I think I don't think I've had a very good year at the cinema. <laughs> you know, you should watch Stephen. Uh, you should watch horror, Stephen. Horror has had an amazing year, I think. Well, I was counting like fourteen that. movies, fourteen horror movies. I'd recommend I saw yeah. this year. I yeah. I enjoyed. I really enjoyed Barbarian, which I saw the yep. other day. I thought that was. I mean, it's a bit bonkers, but it keeps changing its mind. A bit. Yes. A bit. Oh, yes. At least three That's times. the point. But then I saw Smile, which everyone's been raving about, and that was crap. I saw, Smile I thought, is more mass market, right? Oh, it's more it's mass just, market. I saw that when it was called The Ring, and I saw that, <laughs> and, and its representation of mental health is really needs a good slapping. But, you know, it's just one, it's another one of those movies that just got a really good sort of viral marketing yeah. around it, didn't it? Yes, but, brilliant marketing. Yeah, no, I I, um, I enjoyed, um, I don't know if it was this year, but X, I haven't seen yes. Pearl yet. Fantastic, yeah. X was really good. So I, I, I like mm-hmm. horror movies, but yeah, it's, but I, I won't go and see them at the cinema because I'm too scared. As I've told Elwood before, I keep buying Resident Evil computer games and I'm too scared to play them on my own. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, the, don't, I'm the exact same way. I tried to play Biohazard, and when I mm-hmm. got to the house, like 10 minutes in, I'm like, I can't do this. And then I, I, I was done. I've, I've yet to play it since. I can't handle horror. I, I, um, can't. I bought a PSVR just to play Resident Evil 7. Why would you do that? Well, I'm an idiot, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to get one of my daughters to come round and just sort of sit. I said, you can do whatever you like. Just sit with me while I play this. <laughs> really love to see that Twitter feed. Sitting at home with dad while he gets scared over Resident Evil 7. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean they are grown up, so they're not they're not children. But um, I can't so many people would tune into their Twitch stream. So many people. Wow, that's maybe a maybe idea, that's Steven. maybe that's yeah. what I should do for um, yes, scary cat plays scary video games. Yeah. I love it. That's a good idea. Um, but yes, no, I, I back back to the point. Yes, I, I do agree. I think I think I'm not sure if it's a renaissance, but there's certainly some really interesting sort of twists on existing tropes. Um, that that have been in you know have been really entertaining and and actually like barbarian in particular i thought oh that sounds crap <laughs> and, <laughs> and i got round to watching it i thought i'm such an idiot i was so wrong with that film no the only franchise i'm excited for is june part two and i know Stephen, you've got your issues with how it ended yeah. but i saw june and i was like wow this is just everything that everyone promised and being the nerdy kid that I am who's read June four times and still no clue what's going on, I love the hell out of it. <laughs> and it was great that they split it in half because it makes it so much easier to understand than trying to take it all on in one go. So, But uh, yeah, we get to see Crystal Walken as the Emperor of the Universe. We get to see the Space Navigators. There's a whole bunch of stuff that's uh, left in the book that we're going to finally see in part two. And I'm just excited to see it because it taps into that same vibe that blade runner 2047 did um that sort of grown-up sci-fi and i just really love the hell out of it so anyone else excited for june or just me oh yeah no i was i was waiting for you i can't wait like i love the first one that's the only thing i've saw i i used to go to the movies and see like a film two or three times it's the only film recently that i've seen twice in theaters and both times i was just blown away i bought the 4k when it came out continue to be blown away like i i cannot wait yeah looking forward to it too it looks great it's beautiful i think the only film that sort of matched that experience really for myself uh that that beat it out i was like well you know this is my film of the year and i saw nicholas cage's pig and I was like, wow, you've managed to beat out a multi-million dollar sci-fi movie just by looking at the underground of Portland uh, restaurant scene. <coughs> pig is really good. Mm. I like it Pig is. a lot. Um, yeah. It's just a, the subtlety of a Pig is what I really enjoyed. It's not a big action flick. It's just a guy breaking people down, dusted mm-hmm. with his presence. And I think the fact Nicolas Cage restrained it right in was what really helped because... When you look at yes. Mandy and um, even like the unbearable weight of talent, a massive talent, um, yeah. you can see he's still being given a little too much line there. But with Pig, he just sort of really tapped into that same groove as bringing out the dead and uh, leaving Las Vegas. Yes. And it's like, oh, now we remember why yes, you're a great it's kind actor. Kind of classic, yeah. It's, it's like Oscar-winning actor yeah. Nick Cage showed up for that movie. Not yeah. paying off my taxes, Nick Cage. Exactly. I've got a house in New Orleans. <laughs> I will, I've, just, I've just remembered there is one film I am really excited about, and it is another Marvel movie, but Spider-Man Across the Spider-Man. Oh, yes. I love. forgot about that. I loved the first film so much. I think that's the best superhero movie of all time. It's just oh, okay. genius. And so I'm so excited about... I know it won't live up. It can't, can it? <laughs> but... Yeah, you know, because it, it's just sort of based in such a deep dive of Marvel Comics stuff that you'd have thought it can't possibly resonate with an audience, but it does it so well that it's just oh, I love love that film. But that's it. I think that's the only thing I'm 
literally looking forward to certainly not looking forward to another indiana jones movie certainly not looking forward to a, another john wick movie another fast and oh, furious part 54 Come oh, on. <laughs> there's another evil dead movie you know if they're all just oh and the super yeah. super mario brothers movie that'll be yeah that'll because be you'll fun. see chris pratt doing an italian <laughs> accent <laughs> he's not even doing oh, he has in the new trailer. They've, I don't know if they've uh, oh, he does? done it so he's got more of an accent, but it's it's like, no, we were right the first time. <laughs> oh, no. Um, maybe in the new year we're going to find out that he's part of, like, where's obviously Tom Cruise part of the Scientology conspiracy. Obviously, we're Chris uh, mm-hmm. Pratt. He's part of, like, one of the mega churches. Um, maybe we're going to find uh-huh. out the one they're also pulling strings in Hollywood, and that's why he's suddenly become like the big leading man that he is now. Because he was you just went know. from Parks and Rex, I and mean, it's hard to think he just did like Guns of the Gags, and now he's like suddenly everyone's favorite actor. Well, he's had a real makeover, right? Like, didn't he kind of start as a comic guy, maybe a little yeah. bit schlubby looking, and now he's like the cut superhero all of a sudden? Yeah. yeah. Oh, and and the other thing is, and this will appeal to you. They're, they're doing a sequel to the Meg this oh, year. Oh, it's so which, excited! Which, <laughs> but it's Ben Wheatley directing it. What? Uh, wow! Wow! Okay. How has he gone from sightseers in a field in England to? Because Ben Wheatley also has taxes uh, to pay. Well, I think he does. But I'll be yeah. fascinated. So the have. the Meg books hmm. are fantastic by Steve Alton. Uh, the fact that they went from being about a giant prehistoric shark and now they're like Jurassic world underwater as they're going to like these big safari hunts to find prehistoric sea creatures. It's just a wonderful series. that's all like built up over the series of books and uh, yeah, I recommend you all go and check those out and definitely go and support the Meg too. So we can have more decent shark movies and it helps <laughs> keep Jay in a job over the deep blue sea podcast. Cause it gives him movies to watch. I was going to say, true. we need Deep Blue Sea Part 34 or whatever. I guess they never did a sequel, they did, did they? Two. They've done three sequels. Two they sequels, did three sequels. So okay, three there we go. Part 34, then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that um, Jay and Mark would really be happy with that sort of wish fulfillment uh, there, Rashmi. So. Hey, it was a fun movie. I like the first one. I haven't seen any of the rest of them. But the first they loved it enough good. to... They could go the found footage route for the fourth one. Oh, wow. Okay. How fun that would be. Let's bring that trend back. Don't let it die. Oh, they have. It's now just people sitting in front of Skype, isn't it? Like um, things like Profile and Searching and uh, the Unfriended movies. I think that's what it evolved into. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or devolved. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, you, 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 you walk don't you so to stop walking would be to devolve yeah cool <laughs> um we're going to take a quick break now but when we return it's time for our feature presentation godzilla versus biolante in a world where podcasts already seem to address every imaginable subject one man broke new ground with seemingly random obsession about exploding helicopters in movies he was a podcaster on the edge, a maverick broadcaster who played by his own rules. Now, he has a last chance to talk about the strange way helicopters explode in film. Exploding Helicopter, available on iTunes and Podomatic now. Think you know about chopper fireballs? Think again. 
Okay, so Godzilla vs. Biollante released in 1989, following on from Godzilla 1984, or Godzilla Returns, if you uh, obviously watch the original Japanese cut. Um, this one obviously picks up directly after that one as we're now into the second era of Godzilla movies. Um, this time, Godzilla's cells are taken by a scientist who is uh, currently trying to mess around with plant DNA and combined ends up creating a monster called Biolante, who is part Godzilla, part plant, an old trouble for Godzilla, who is uh, now been escaped from his volcano prison and is rather ticked off and heading towards Tokyo once again. So, Nick, this was obviously a film that you really pushed for. So, um, yep. what is it about this movie that you really like? Because this isn't even the first podcast you've done on this film. You've done quite a few on this film. I did one back in March of this year. Yes. <laughs> I uh, swindled Jay into doing it on an episode of the Deep Blue Sea podcast because I told him that there's a lot of water, <laughs> and there is a lot of water. It might as well be a puddle. <laughs> the fact they're standing in. But it's just not what he, you know, it's not what he thought. Like, there's some ocean scenes, sure, but I mean, yeah, it's just a lot more lake, you know? What I love the do? fact you managed to rehack someone's <laughs> podcast now. <laughs> I'm trying to get Will an exploding helicopter to do it, too, because there is an exploding helicopter yeah, in this is. film, so. I was. Fingers ah, crossed, we'll see what happens. I was happens. sure that he had um, covered okay. it, but I didn't have a chance to look for his archive, so. Um, it's definitely one that he, sh he should cover because you're right, there are exploding helicopters and it had me wonder how many helicopters Godzilla has exploded over the course of his career because Ooh. over on exploding helicopter they have the hall of fame for the people actors who have exploded the most helicopters because <laughs> that, this is the premise of exploding helicopter that it's all about how helicopters explode on film which is a lot mm -hmm. more varied and a lot more interesting than the idea may first suggest and Will has dedicated his whole critical career just to researching this one subject um and he has a mm -hmm, podcast mm -hmm. as well which you should all check out um Absolutely. and i just wondered has godzilla earned his right to go into the hall of fame with just the amount of helicopters he's exploded yeah he must uh, yeah absolutely there's there's yeah. no way he wouldn't like that's it's almost too I many can't think of anyone who's yeah that's the thing I don't I don't think anyone can top him honestly because certainly in like yeah. the uh, 98 Godzilla he explodes I would say the most um, but certainly in this one he clocked to at least five or six so but this was obviously part of the Heisei era Stephen this is your first taste of the Heisei era is that correct it if, of Godzilla, yeah, absolutely. So up to now, obviously, I've is it the Showa era? Yeah, the Showa era yeah. uh, was brought to a close with Terra Godzilla. Um, well, technically, it was brought with the um, death of the Emperor, but, uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. <laughs> um, you know, maybe they should change their dating system to just be based on Godzilla movies. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, obviously, we watched. Um, I don't know. Final Wars is Millennium, yeah, so... isn't it? Although that doesn't that doesn't match with Emperor. Nope, because it was still the no, same. Uh, it's still um, the Heisei era, so that's where we had Millennium. But, yeah. So the, yeah, you, you're right. This is my first one, so I haven't seen the film, which this is clearly 
following up from is that the return yeah, of godzilla, return of godzilla came like nine years after the terror mecha godzilla which closed out the heisai era um gotcha and with uh, return of godzilla it introduced a much darker take on godzilla it's a lot more darwinian um in the fact that this is more about mm. contests of like territory and resources rather than oh look there's a giant monster coming from space i must defend <laughs> tokyo by destroying it all um yeah mm. it's um yeah and and so it was it's a very different feel in that regard absolutely this godzilla is a is a force of nature kind of deal he's not doing little comedy skits and there's no manila and there's no you know it's, shame. It's, it's, no. Feels very, but it also but it also looks very different yeah so um obviously we saw final wars which has a similar view and i've been watching some of the um mothra sort of resets and we obviously Woo-hoo! watch the gamma resets as well um sort of sim- similar sort of that sort of 80s 90s time frame just just the way it's filmed is different um yes. the look the visual look of it and i really like it <laughs> i really really like the look of these films um in terms of the model work the, the darkness of the camera um just the film stock that's being used i don't know what it is but there's just something about it that just feels i don't know a bit more jerry anderson about the whole thing <laughs> you know what i mean but yes so this is my first technically technically my first of this period of a yeah. godzilla movie but maybe not a kaiju movie well the film itself it was uh with the producer tomiyako uh tanaka not wanting to recycle you know the monsters from the original series decided to throw it out to the general public to get script <laughs> ideas with the winning idea coming from a dentist and occasional sci-fi writer shinioko kobayashi mm. um which in so elwood i i had a thought okay. on the script um May, may not be a popular opinion, but I, I actually did look into this as well because I was kind of curious about where did this story come from? Because for me, what it felt like is, you know, like Hellraiser after about four movies, they just had generic scripts sitting around that they just yeah. shove Pinhead into and call it Hellraiser 5. That's what this felt like to me. Like this movie could have been a movie without Godzilla and it was just a movie, right? Uh, Godzilla feels a little bit just shoved in to make it a Godzilla movie. So I wonder if this gentleman who was writing the script may have even been just developing this idea, saw this contest, put two and two together, and now we have Godzilla in this kind of corporate terrorism biotech. So are you saying that this is the Fifty Shades of Grey of the Godzilla franchise, in the fact that it started off as a script for one thing and then got turned into something else? Yes. Great. That's what it feels like to me. Well, one of the other scripts <laughs> that was uh, submitted for this contest was also turned into the other cult movie, Gunhead, which I think only myself and Brendan Tenold have seen. It's a giant robot movie. Um, but no, it kind of blows my mind the fact that they threw it out to the public to submit scripts. It's like, can you think of like Marvel or DC saying, you know what, how about the public write the script this time? Let's not spend all this money getting... <laughs> Yeah, painful. There have been several movies where you've suspected that's <laughs> happened. Exactly. <laughs> like Eternals. Yeah, yay. Me and Nick are on the same wavelength. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah. 
but this was, uh, as I said, this was the second attempt to obviously try and do something different with the franchise. After this one failed to recoup at the box office, they did go back to old classics with King Ghidorah and Mothra coming back for following ones. And it was kind of interesting how with the Heisei era, all the films pretty much tied together, as we'll see in Godzilla vs. Mothra, that the spores we see rising up from Biolante mix with the Ethiopian trail carried by Mothra as she flies through space which creates the monster of that movie <laughs> do you like any coherency in your Godzilla movies or do you prefer them to be like sort of one-off films well what I liked about this what kind of came to mind as I was watching this film is just how much we can use Godzilla movies as time capsules kind of they're so representative mm. of their time and that's what I was really interested in that's what I kind of put my focus on as I was watching this um, because, you know, it's, um, you know, you have obviously the first movie coming out post-war, nuclear bomb, atomic era, everything around that. You know, more recently, of course, Shin Godzilla and the, and the uh, Fukushima disaster. And, and this one, right, if you think about it, so much of what's in this movie is kind of of that time, right? So you have Cold War ending, um, kind of this corporate espionage kind of situation, biotech obviously becoming an issue. Uh, we sadly have the kind of racist terrorism portrayal. I, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about well, that, that more the, coming the, up. The, but... the, the country which, is, which isn't Saudi Arabia. <laughs> right, but seems to use Arabic scripts and, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah, I would have imagined they would have at least just changed the script. Yeah, it, um, anyway. And, and genetic yeah. engineering as well. Yeah, so, exactly. 24-hour news, all the, like, you know, CNN-type people on there. Um, you know, even little work. references, like, uh, you know, Princess Masako, who eventually became the empress, actually went to Harvard right before this happened. So you have the guy who's getting this, oh, I got a letter from a university in Massachusetts, you know. So all of this stuff that's so tied Contem into the time. contemporary, isn't it? So exactly. We've got to be careful because our episode 100 is about the original Godzilla, which isn't uh -huh. out yet. So we okay. have talked about that a little bit but yeah this ah. is this film in particular is absolutely a time capsule of the thoughts and concerns of the japanese people in when did this film come out 89 89, 89. 89. So, yeah yeah so you know just just the same way there's a whole bunch of hong kong films um yeah. pre-1997 that are obviously allegories for the handover right. this this feels very much like these you know you've pointed out even more things i i didn't know about the the um I didn't understand the relevance of him saying he was going to America to study, but that <laughs> makes a lot of sense, you know, when once yeah. you get that context. And yeah, it, it feels as about that. I'm, I'm alright with this because you know what? Tired of atomic bomb stories. Let's have a yes. story that, that Biotech that, instead. Yeah. Yeah, and that was, you know, I, I was I was alive then. I remember that. And we were really yeah. worried. We were worried oh, about really? We, we, and people still are, aren't they? About about mm, what are we, we should be our, worried. What are we doing <laughs> we to our food? And you, every exactly. so often, a story comes out where they've invented a cow that's just meat. Yep. And, and, As and, opposed and, to what would um, the cow be made of, Stephen? Well, I, I think you no, know, but it's just meat. There's no arms and legs or yeah, it's just, that's that's just cellular meat, right? Yeah, it's not even a right. cow, really. It's like a cow. I, cell I, I hate to think what sort of Cronenberg vision of a cow that you two are working on here, but surely, like, <laughs> an easier would would have been to go with the Douglas Adams of the pig that wants to be eaten that offers to, you know recommends the best parts of his anatomy before saying it would go in the back and shoot <laughs> itself, but be very humane about yeah. it. And we had 
in in the late 80s we had all kinds of concerns about this yeah. not uh, um radiated um vegetables and fruit i know normally you'd say fruit and vegetables i don't know why i reversed that in a, such an awkward way but these things were i don't know what it's like in america but you know these are things in britain we were really worried about totally. absolutely um, and so this this does cap, capture that it feels exactly. like the late 80s the same way maybe final wars is capturing a pre-millennial change mm-hmm. um thought of the world's going to end the planes are going and the, and the, can we take a moment also to talk about the soundtrack the soundtrack is the sound the musical choices are just well bonkers. you don't appreciate the yeah. uh like the funk like, remix of the uh goods of the march of the monsters yeah exactly and then you get well, like I read a, metal and then like clown car music and I, then you have like romantic theme I, re- I read a bit about this and it turns out the guy who did the soundtrack hadn't seen the film he just did what he ah, that explains like. everything and, and that's why every so often there is the more classic they, they listen to it and thought, oh my god what's this and that's why every so often you do get at least some callbacks to the older theme yeah although it is a little bit remixed <coughs> as you say but that's why because yeah it's like sometimes it's like um i mean you'll understand the if i say it's a bit like a benny hill Yes, <laughs> yes, and literally there's like clown car music, like when those yeah. cops are kind of messing around and they screw up and whatever, and I'm just like, it is, it's like Benny Hill, yeah. What am I watching here? But yes, I think it just, there is clearly something with the with the script being open to all comers and the and the person doing the soundtrack just deciding to think what he'd like it to be like. There is a bit of gonzo filmmaking about this. But for me, that's its charm. Yeah, yeah I, it's, I it's certainly got an amateur feeling to it. I mean, yeah, <laughs> with a budget, though. Amateur with a budget. Nick, Penny, for your thoughts on <laughs> the Heisai era. <laughs> for me, like growing up, it was hanging out in the living room, uh, watching the movies and having like a bunch of Legos around me. And the biggest thing was like just these VHS tapes. Like I wore this tape out. And then, you know, with VHS, we slowly got rid of them, and I couldn't find this for the longest time. And then I found, like, a bootleg DVD and then a real DVD. And just kind of watching this brings all of those, like, childhood memories back. But when I watch this as an adult now, there's just a lot of interesting, like, themes and concepts they introduce. And it's fun to see them get away from, you know, oh, he's just going to fight this monster to now there's – I don't want to say real stuff, but now there's actual consequences going on in the background, right? Now there's – hey, with the return of Godzilla, you know, he falls into a volcano and it covers him up and everybody thinks he's dead. Well, now he's back and, of course, they found the cells, so they're trying to introduce it into a different creature altogether. And it's kind of uh, – oh, gosh. There's a phrase for it that's escaping my mind right now, but kind of like, you know, here's humanity trying to create this thing in order to prevent – uh, these events from happening again and it just blows up in their face because now there's this creature and Godzilla comes to you know tackle and destroy it anyway uh, it's it's also one of those where it, it just feels darker to me like this feels darker this feels scarier to me uh, in the very beginning bam we're just hit with the theme and we just see his face there's that theme coming through then later on when the water spraying everywhere it almost looks like a rain and he's just staring down like there's a couple moments where Godzilla is just staring down the camera and it's just like it kind of chills you a little bit then you got Biollante with its 
like the second iteration when mm. it comes through, it, it's like truly scary. And it's stuff that we haven't seen, you know, in the Godzilla movies up until this point. And I think this is the turning point when all of a sudden, you know, things start to get a little bit darker, especially now when you have stuff like the Shin Godzilla or you have the Netflix films, like they're kind of pushing it more. And we start to get like Atomic Godzilla, Nuclear Godzilla, and all of these just more intense iterations of it. And I, I've always found it just kind of exciting at how different this creature is. Like, it sounds funny to say, like, what's Godzilla fighting in this one? He's fighting a plant. Yeah. Like it sounds, it sounds so absurd. But when you actually break down to what it is that's being created, it's it's so much more than that. Like it's man tempting nature, and nature's winning out hardcore. I mean, they create something that's immortal. You know how insane is that to think? Of? Well, I mean, the character of uh, Balante is interesting in several counts. I mean, first of all, it's uh, one of the first few female monsters in the Gods of the Universe, if not the Kaiju verse. Um, I mean, if you look at the female monsters, your choices are you have Mothra, you have Spigra, and Balante, and that's about it. And when the character, the design for Balante, I mean, she moves away from just the guys in suit model, so it's a the base of Balante is just that it's almost like a tank shape. And when they have that long shot, yeah. and you realize that Balante is twice the size of Godzilla. It's like, well, there's few occasions yeah. where he is truly dwarfed by his opponent. And as you said, that second, that second version is the one I really love here. And I think that's when it really becomes an actual threat to Godzilla. Cause before that, it's just like a giant rose with, uh, tentacles it's kind of like um a prettier version of uh, audrey 2 from little shop of horrors <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good call but it's, it's also you know the, the, all the previous monsters uh, i don't know they're kind of based on dinosaurs or or, mm-hmm. or reptiles or or i don't know what king C- <laughs> king, uh, king caesar's my favorite it's based, it's based on a, sort of a chinese lion yeah no, <laughs> but this one it's not just a mix of godzilla and a plant that guy's daughter's cells in this as well. Yeah, that's that the is, creepy part. That is dark, dark creepy. stuff. Right? Yeah. But for, a, yeah. for a Godzilla film, you know, this is the darkest I think it's been since the very first film. And you talk about, Nick, about how Godzilla appears, at the, you know, at the beginning of this as this force of nature. We haven't seen this since the very first film back in 1954, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. this is Godzilla as a as a fundamental force of nature who doesn't really give a shit about people and is just well doing I mean, his, his, his basic animalistic needs. Yeah. It's definitely a film made for adults, right? Mm. So I think Godzilla came out, it was made for adults. Everything after that was kind of more geared towards kids. And then now they're back right with a film very much geared towards it all yeah definitely i think if you like this take on godzilla then i would definitely recommend checking out the return of godzilla uh definitely don't watch the american cut which uh works in raymond burr <laughs> for no reason they completely rework the script just oh, to yeah. base around his character who, despite Terrible. the fact in the original godzilla he's in it for like a five second cameo just so they could sell it to the americans as a reporter by the time Godzilla uh, 84 rolls around, he's got a psychic connection to Godzilla and there's just a whole bunch of weird-ass changes that are made to the script that just make it absolutely dire. Um, but no, it's only because that one shot completely at night and Godzilla again is really imposing. I think we have to wait until um, Godzilla King of the Monsters, the second of the um, American um, remakes that we've had that King Ghidorah actually got really scary when we saw 
him appear through the ice and it's like completely in, in silhouette yeah. and I was like this is one of the few times that I've been absolutely terrified of this monster just like it the way they shot it it was sort of like you were on the ice with these soldiers and you see this thing come and get you it's like yeah I'm gonna be bloody running <laughs> that's for sure so the fact in here we have a colonel who stirs down Godzilla and feels confident enough to make wise cracks at Godzilla after they've uh, shot yeah. him with anti-bacterial, uh, I believe. it's uh, They tried to use a bacterial agent in him this time to bring him down, despite the fact they had a really good plan in Return of Godzilla, and they're using the same ship um, as they do in that one, but they decide we're going to use a completely different plan, um, including the sun mirror, which basically reflects the Godzilla breath back at him and does nothing apart from making him really mad. And and barely yeah. hits him. <laughs> it is a rubbish mirror. Um, you're making me think that it's very you know very contemporary thinking about injecting antibacterials into the body directly. It's almost as if President Trump had watched this film and thought that's how the fix going to be. It's all coming together now. It, it, it is. We now we now know what he was doing that day. He was watching Godzilla versus Biolante. <laughs> Yeah, but now you're assuming he'd watch something with subtitles, and I just don't think that's happening. Oh, there's got to be a dub. Watch the there's got to be a dub. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen Miller handed it to him and said, look, this is real. <laughs> See, now the snobby side of me just wants but, to go, I mean, that man never watched a Godzilla film in his life. <laughs> <laughs> We've got the best monsters. we got the biggest monsters. Yeah. Right, let's move on, because this huge. Nick, you have the fourth. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, but I, I can be honest, though, like as dark and as terrifying as this movie can be sometimes, there's also some lighter and kind of sillier moments to it. Like when the X2 takes off and flies around, it's clearly a mock of the Superman theme playing behind it. And it's enough to make you giggle a little bit, right, as it's flying yeah. through. Um, you also have like these two bumbling guys that are trying to <laughs> steal data and then for some who knows what reason you have this assassin running around, like just trying yeah. to off everybody. So and there's he's some... like the worst sniper ever, right? He just stands there and shoots at people. It's like, he's just nope, like, got nope, him. Don't and need any like, cover. Nope. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we wear this big jacket. So I'm visible to everybody. Oh, exactly. Like, yeah. But don't I will move say... after they see you, you know? <laughs> yeah. There, there is a really cool moment with the assassin, and I think it's one of the cooler moments technically of the film, too. It's at the very end when they're fighting in the mud, and as they're slipping and sliding and fighting through the mud, the camera just follows with them to where they're just, like, centered in the shot, and it makes for this really fascinating just just tracking shot with them and i thought like man if they could just hang on to this shot for a couple seconds more like it would have just been like the coolest thing to see uh and then i'm like well i could just go watch the raid too if i wanted to get my you know fill of blood fighting but uh no i just i as as scary and dark as it is yeah there are some lighter moments and i can see how that would kind of put people off on the film being like well why is this in here and and so on and so forth well in terms of the violence i think this one has also got some really surprising moments of violence we get to see tentacles go through the fist we see a lot of slime in substitute of blood and we've obviously seen blood before in the godzilla franchise and certainly in like uh godzilla versus mecha godzilla uh we saw a lot of like uh broken jaws we saw arterial sprays in there um 
and I've, in uh, Godzilla vs. Gigan, again, we saw like the buzzsaw to the neck of Anglus, but it was always more glamorous thing to be like really bloody and violent and have collateral damage. And it was kind of surprising this one to see it go as violent as it actually does. Um, did the violence like detract from the Godzilla experience, or do you think it's all like on a a film by film basis what additional violence adds to the film? I think it's film by film, but in this one it definitely adds, and it adds to the terrifyingness of Biollante because this Biollante like stabs Godzilla through yeah. the hand and stabs him in the chest and just starts pumping him with this stuff, and it's like, oh my god! Like it's usually if you see Godzilla getting shot at, like the bullets are kind of deflecting off of him or he's kind of batting him away, it doesn't really affect. But there's like some really intense moments where it's like, oh no! Like this isn't good for our guy. He's he's about to bite it, you know. I, I mean, yeah, I, I wanted more kaiju battle. I was kind of like, where the, where did Violetta go? What, what, what is this movie? Right, we're back to like some kind of terrorism plot. It's forty minutes the film <laughs> takes. Like, I want my kaiju back. It's forty minutes before we, uh, yeah, we get exactly. it. We get the obviously the, the reused footage from Return of Godzilla at the start. Then we wait forty minutes of human drama, and then Violante gets <laughs> blown up, and we it turned, It's almost like the film forgets that it's Godzilla versus Violante, and it yeah. just like. Oh, exactly. here's Godzilla destroying things, which is... That's, exactly. That's why that's, I just feel like that script was not a Godzilla script to start I don't with. Know, isn't, I, don't, I feel that's the same for a lot of Godzilla films, though, mm-hmm, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And and sometimes it's hidden behind, oh, you hide the monster to the re- reveal in, the, you know, somewhere in the second act or something yeah. like that. That's a thing. But so many Godzilla movies, kaiju movies in general, are actually the monster's when you count up the minutes on screen, they're barely in it. It's actually a human drama that's going, you know, the first Godzilla film, most of it's a, a love triangle story. Yeah. At once you, once you rip away the political stuff, once you want rip away Godzilla stomping through Tokyo, it's a story about some woman who's got two blokes, one that she's betrothed to and one that she loves. Um, uh, Shin Godzilla is, is they literally freeze him for half the film so they can go and have a boardroom <laughs> drama. <laughs> elsewhere um i'm thinking what's the one well there's the ones with the aliens isn't that's it? most <laughs> of the original series yeah i was gonna say <laughs> i want to say it's destroy all monsters but it might not be where there's a kind of sub man from uncle kind of thing going on with a girl in a oh yeah yes, that's destroy that monsters. Destroy monsters. yeah destroy monsters actually yeah, one of those rare occasions where the human drama is as engaging as the monster drama so that's why i think that's always hmm. been like my go-to film in the in the saga so that's one of those records yeah I mean, yeah i just guess my point is this this is what a godzilla film's like and they're very rarely all about the monster it's not well i think that's why they also started throwing in multiple monsters in the movies mm-hmm. right so then you could have more kaiju battles because it wouldn't just be the two of them right so you can have anyway I, I I was just kind of like, okay, so, you know, the fact that Godzilla shows up later, you're right. I do agree that a lot of the films, he kind of comes in a little bit later. But then by, there's one battle with Violante, and then we don't see her for another half an hour or something. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, I, I, I get your point, Stephen, that, you know, it's not going to be constant wall-to-wall kaiju battle. But I could have used a little more. I have to... It's not as bad as the first... The second American Godzilla movie where Gareth Edwards decided to only concentrate on the stories of the people which weren't the blandest, least interesting people in the world. So it's not as bad as that. <laughs> yeah. 
I think uh, carrying Aaron Taylor Johnson in anything is always a bad move, though. Um, he's someone who should have just stuck with playing like nerdy characters like Kickass, but no, he wanted to bulk up and think he could play the action roles, and went on to do Savages, a movie so smug that I wish I could punch it in its face. He was pretty fun in Bullet Train. I've not seen Bullet Train yet, so I've seen the original uh, Sonny Chiba Bullet Train. That's great, but I've not seen the Brad Pitt one. So that's something to look forward to. It's worth your time. Oh. It's worth it. Oh, thank you for that recommendation, Nick. You're welcome, dude. That's <laughs> what I do. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, there's a moment. We haven't talked about the psychics uh, yet. Uh, should, we, should we talk about we that can. a little bit? Uh, there's one bit I wanted to talk about before then, and that's when um, Godzilla okay, falls go face down in, in the ocean. Did anyone else worry that he would drown and then remember he's he's amphibious yes. so he can't drown? <laughs> I thought, oh no, they've done a they've done like a glass and he's going to drown in a puddle. Um, then I realised, no, he can breathe underwater, he's fine. So, But yeah, he's staggered around like he's, he's drunk and then just goes face down. Um, the other standout <laughs> moment is when we see him we cut to the outside of the stadium and it's almost like a you almost expect like people to like run across in fast motion. That's been the Benny Hill moment I think Stephen was referring to earlier, but um yeah, I thought that was a really weird choice as well. But Rashmi, you were saying. Well, okay, so another kind of, you know, just kind of sign of the times, right? So this was a few years before X Files comes out. We have kind of this uh psychic uh <laughs> plot line where there are two women who can essentially psychically connect to Godzilla and, and understand, or actually Biolante, right? They, well, do they connect to both? I can't remember. But anyway, they connect to Biolante. They can see where, and Godzilla, and see where these kaiju are. Yeah, she can speak and, to plants, um, apparently. Um, the girl can. That's why she's able to <laughs> speak to the spirit of Biolante. So, so right. that, that, that feeds into what you were saying at the beginning, because that's based on My the Psychic <laughs> Girl, which was this really popular manga... Exactly. that's contemporaneous with this it's yeah. also a total rip-off of gamera which mm. has 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 a the 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 high say gamera films high say gamera films no the millennium gamera films have exactly the same idea that there's this girl that can that can psychically talk to gamera and uh so it's, it's been odd. but it's yeah it's it's and and that was really popular, so as I understand it, and she, this 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 character makes uh, return appearances in later films. Mm. Is that right? I'm asking, I'm asking <laughs> um, of a expert. She may do. I can't can't place it. This is the problem. I can't place it. Yeah, I, again, I've only I've only read it, but yes, apparently she was the most popular part of the movie, even though the movie wasn't a huge financial success, as you sort of alluded to earlier. But yeah, this character does, or a character like her, returns and others. But now, now none of us can remember, so who knows? <laughs> I just like the scene where they go into the classroom with all the psychic kids, and they've all just drawn Godzilla pictures. <laughs> yeah, I love the pictures. And then eventually, there's like a flower Godzilla. And it's like, it's sort of like, how did they all have the same dream? And I'm thinking, it's just hey. one kid drawing, starts drawing Godzilla, and they all copied him. They're just going with the flow. <laughs> It's like um, 
over here when they were doing like the video nasties their testing was they went to schools and asked kids if they seen video nasties and kids not wanting to seem uncool in front of their friends started making up titles to tell these uh researchers so they would just like make up their own horror movies and say yeah i saw like horror hospital it's about a man who stabs people with syringe and it's like there's no film called that but they believed him <laughs> hey a lot of people got in trouble during the satanic panic because of that mm. <laughs> just yeah but stories. nobody was there are more and more nobody crazy. was saying yeah. that video nasties were um harmful to children and dogs as they oh they dogs outlined too, in a huh? weird piece okay. of research into and it's like why are you showing dogs video nasties of course i don't <laughs> yeah that would actually be impossible because dogs wouldn't have been able to see TV until very, very recently because their refresh rate, they can't see things at 24 frames a second. Ah. Like old movies and things which were done at the old 24 frames or 30 frames a second, um, dogs can't view that. But now we've got 120 frames a second stuff with UHD and the like. They can see it perfectly well. So it could have, unless the noise or they smelt bad, I guess that would have. Huh. Been. But they, but they, you know, when people used to think dogs were watching the TV, they couldn't see it. I only learned that yesterday. That's my fact of the day. You're always, you're all welcome. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Stephen. You obviously alluded already to the Jerry Anderson style model work here, which has always been a highlight of the the genre as a whole. The uh, Tokusatsu effects. And I really, mm. the ship explosions in here are pretty incredible, pretty fantastic. They're really decent explosions, whereas the helicopter explosions I felt were kind of lacking. And at the same time, we get some fun futuristic military tech. Um, how do we rate like the human versus uh, monster elements of the film? I feel like it's it's all pretty standard. You know, uh, it's they're trying to attack it. They're throwing everything they can at it. They think they get a leg up on it. Uh, Godzilla pulls a fast one. They think he's going one direction. He ends up going in another. Um, I think outside of the explosions and the newer technology that we see, it's kind of I don't want to say like par for the course and same old same, but it's just a lot of the same mentality. Now, I don't know if that's laziness or if it's purposeful showing that like you know we really don't learn from anything that we do like we just say oh there's this thing let's throw everything we have at it and at some point it's going to stop it yeah i've always go back and forth whether i prefer like these the heisei ones where they actually managed to hit the monster or the shower era where it's basically them throwing bottle rockets at the the monster <laughs> and occasionally something to hit the actor or he'll be how to wear explosives to be like <laughs> partially blown up but i'm always like going back and forth it's like do i like the, like the polish that the heisai era has because we obviously get some really old school um computer graphics here including some wire models which is kind of cool and then when you mm -hmm. look at the uh mm -hmm. the haze the uh, shara era it's obviously just a lot of like uh, miniatures and uh little models being blown up and that's also got a charm to it so i'm never sure which sort of era i prefer when it comes to like the man versus the monster sections I, I know i know it was in the previous film that i haven't seen but i really did like thunderbird 2 i mean whatever that ship's called yeah. x2 whatever it's called but it does look a lot like thunderbird 2 with a mirror on the front but i kind of i kind of like that i i'm 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 i think i've got a low bar for special effects <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but I, I kind of enjoyed it. I kind of enjoyed the fact that this is a sort of a there's there's advanced tech in this in this reality, right? And in a world where Godzilla exists, I think that's fair enough. Um, I do need something explaining to me though, because at near the beginning of the film, so I. So basically what happens at the beginning is in the fallout from the previous film, somebody finds some of Godzilla's yep. skin meat, mm. yep. and they call it a cell. And obviously that mm-hmm. they don't know how violence <laughs> works. But anyway, so Godzilla's skin there are some cells there. Yeah. 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 Well, it's a, cells don't get bigger like that. <laughs> well, I don't think they're picture saying picture. that's one cell. There are cells in yeah. it, right? Think, that that skin the, um, contains cells. Yeah, I, but I, anyway. I'm being picky. I think the subtitles could do with a bit of clarity. Anyway, but anyway, it, it, it seems like somebody's stealing it, and the Americans, I think, are getting it to start with, and they're running off with it, and then the people yeah. from not Saudi Arabia get it. And right. Anyway, stuff happens. Anyway, x x years later, when this film takes place, um, the guy they're thinking, oh, if, if G comes back, because they call him G, as if he's some uh-huh. kind of '90s rap person, <laughs> and um. You know, these things and think, oh, what are we going to do? Well, we've got all these plans. X2's back together again. Ah, but don't worry. We've also got a biological weapon, mm-hmm. except they haven't. <laughs> it's it's really confused. They say, don't worry. We've got a biological weapon. Where is the biological weapon? Oh, we haven't invented it yet. And it's like, what? <laughs> and, and by the way, it does get invented in about, you know, 20 minutes time in the film, right? Because yeah. they get back the cell and then all of a sudden they're shooting the bioweapon at Godzilla. And you're like, wait, when did you make that? <laughs> it wasn't just me then. I just thought. It, no, I just, I no it, it appeared very suddenly. Yeah. And, and yeah. Uh, again, I'm OK. I quite like that idea of a biological weapon. And again, harkens back to the very first film where the fella. The, the guy, the guy who makes the the oxygen destroyer, is absolutely racked about what does it yes. mean if I create this weapon, what yes. impact will this have on the world, and ends up with him killing himself at the end of the first film. Spoiler for nineteen fifty four. I also like, uh, you know, because this film was made basically during the bubble, right? The bubble years in Japan, and I like how some of the kind of stateside bad actors have now become corporate bad actors, right? So I think it's kind of interesting how those influences have changed. So now, like, all of those kind of the Americans trying to steal it, the not-Saudis trying to steal it, and the Japanese making this bioweapon are actually in a company and not in the government. Um, and I think that was kind of an interesting angle on things. And, that, the, uh, and, and, yeah. and similarly, obviously, again, with the first film, there's a lot of you know, it, it, it's in the shadow of what happened with the atomic bomb and the bikini at old tests of the H bomb and sort of mm-hmm. Japan's fear of of what the atomic world means. And because they've been impacted by it, unlike any other nation on Earth. Did you notice in this one, there's this whole thing about, oh, my God, he's going towards our nuclear reactors, which is basically mm-hmm. keeping our country running. So their relationship with atomic energy has flip flopped. Mm-hmm. In in 30 years, 35 years to be actually they are now a nation absolutely dependent on the atomic age. And I thought that was kind of interesting as well. They make a big deal about how many nuclear reactors and like a, mm-hmm. like a quarter or a third of their power is in this on, on one island as, of Japan. And I thought that was kind of interesting as well. It's interesting you criticize about the fake to make it approach that they have in this film to creating their super powerful bioweapon when you look at silicon valley and the whole industry is just based on fake it till you make it 
like Apple. So, and... so the lady from Theranos can tell you <laughs> yeah. about that. <laughs> Theranos is really an example of coming up with a really outlandish idea and trying to push it. Whereas with Steve Jobs, it makes what Steve Jobs was doing with the uh, the Apple Mac seem like rather passable and timid in comparison, really. Um, at least he wasn't trying to yeah. like have people mess around with bloods. I mean, if you've watched the documentary out for um, the inventor out for blood in the valley, and it's just insane like what they were doing with trying to get this box to work. And it's all like you had various people's blood that wasn't tested, that they was just being spilt in the machines, and engineers to shove and shove the hands into like broken glass and things. It's uh Oh, and at a certain point, they just even stopped trying to get the box to work. They just faked it with yeah. other devices, which weren't their own, and pretended they did it. Yeah, I actually, that that case study is just so amazing. I actually teach it in my class because it's, uh, it's pretty stunning. Um, I do want to comment on the topic of science as a fermentation nerd. There was actually a little bit of science in this movie that was actually true, which is, you know, bacteria do not replicate as much at colder temperatures. So, you know, when you are... Uh, conducting fermentation experiments you kind of put them out at room temperature and then you bring them into a fridge or whatever when you want to slow it down a little bit so that was real science i guess that because you you post a lot of cheese on your facebook and it's all like yes. it's the best distraction from yeah. watching people argue about the sight and sound list just to look at rashmi's page and see what cheese she's making this day Woo-hoo. i um i really like the real science behind how they stored the Godzilla like nuclear based cells, they go through these big cement walls, no protection whatsoever, and then they open up a filing cabinet with just a you know, very light rubber gloves that you maybe use in washing dishes and handle this material. And I I started laughing so hard because I'm like it never daunt like I never really paid attention to the background of what was going on. I just paid attention to what they were holding. And I'm watching this like, oh man, they really threw this together last minute <laughs> well just the whole creation of biolante is sort of like yeah i've blended my daughter's soul and godzilla cells in a plant with what well let's see what happens when we mix this together there's some real questionable mm-hmm. science and, and this guy i know that this guy is effectively one of the heroes of the film up to that point because he then has to get he's never really i know we'll do spoilers you know he, he does get killed in the end but mm-hmm. no one ever really tells him off for what what horrific frankenstein thing he oh no does. he says himself oh, he exactly. sort of like creates balante and he's sort of like yes. that's it i'm retiring <laughs> it's like yeah <laughs> it's sort of like in kung fu movies but, where they defeat the bad guy and he's sort of like oh, i'm beaten i will go and become a farmer now and it's like just writes all the wrongs up into this point doesn't it so Mm. And 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 well, you know there is a it is very um, uh, Audrey two the whole thing yes. feels like um, well it's introductions big like, time you've got the two mm. different spies should we say um, in the office and then suddenly the big vines come through and start wrapping around people which is a great introduction for this plant monster that then just magically appears in the middle of a lake um, <laughs> and has whale sounds which is up there with the shark <laughs> roaring in Jaws of Revenge. It's just <sighs> why the whale sounds, guys. It's yeah, just like one line we added some whale DNA into here for stability or something. Ah, <laughs> uh, isn't that because Gohira means great it's gorilla whale? whale. Yeah, uh, gorilla like that. Gojira is a gorilla whale. Gorilla, yeah, gorilla whale. plus Kujira. Kujira yeah. is whale. Yeah. So maybe. May, may no, I don't think I don't think they thought about it that hard. Again, I think it's a wink and a nod. 
I I remember <laughs> this was the time when certain sort of parent would buy whale noise tapes cassette tapes to play to their children to go to sleep so they probably just went to the shop and bought a whale tape (laughs) use what's at hand yeah i'm the uh era where we thought a whale could jump over a wall who says it can't that was free willy was based on a where it lands on the kid and it's like oh look at all this meat (laughs) it's like oh no our son's dead (laughs) Um, yeah, does Homer when when he's on Jury Joe watching Free Willy? It's like jump, Willy, jump. <laughs> I don't think killer whales are even whales. Isn't there something like they're actually dolphins or something? I know anyway, that the whales that they were using cetaceans. Is that what they are? The whale that they were using as their breeding whale at SeaWorld um, was a psychotic and was responsible for at least two deaths. Yeah, so... well, because. Because those whales are not no, meant to be not. kept in captivity like that. They go crazy. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And they're all inbred as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bad it. situation. At least yeah. now that's all banned here. You know, actually that movie Blackfish, speaking mm. of the power of documentaries, Nick, you know, Blackfish, that, that movie, they really destroyed SeaWorld and this whole concept of keeping all these whales in captivity. So, yeah. And, and, and I, I feel like. I feel like it was always like an idea in the back of our heads and we were just like, ah, but then until we saw it, we were like, oh, no. Yeah, it's really <laughs> oh, bad. No. Really bad. Anyone else uh, got anything they want to bring up about uh, Godzilla vs. Balante? I just want to say I really it's enjoyed awesome. it. <laughs> <laughs> I know we obviously we had a chat the other day that I, I know this isn't your favorite Godzilla movie. Uh, it's but... only purely because of the length and the the time it takes Godzilla to appear. It just feels very detached. Um, I obviously really like Biolante. I think I appreciated the design for Biolante more on this rewatch, and I think that sec that second yeah yeah, and going into it knowing what I was hideous. getting this time, um, it gives you a bit more preparation that's a thing i agree with you Elwood. it's the expectation i think that needs to be set before you go um, in which yeah. is you know myself to blame i just always excited to have a new godzilla movie to go into you just go with these sky high expectations and when it doesn't meet that then it's like the worst thing in the world and then you go back a second time and it's sort of like <laughs> you know this isn't so bad it's kind of like why you should be a jerk when you meet someone the first time and then when you see him again they're like ah you're not too bad <laughs> If she went there like super nice and then you eject the next time, it's like, wow, that guy's a fucking ass. Whereas if they've. Oh, it sounds like you got some kind of uh, book going there. I've you know? burned enough bridges with my cinematic <laughs> opinions, so I'm just. Uh, I just do me. I'm not advising other people to live. to walk the line with me, so. <laughs> well, well I, and, and just to. You know, I'm going to pander to Nick now as he's our guest. Um, <laughs> pander. Yeah, well, did ego. you know they have. They have done a 4K remaster of this. So I'm really hoping that that's going to get some kind of release, whether it's by Akraton or not. It was was part of Godzilla Day last year. Mm. And unfortunately, I couldn't make it. They were playing it at a couple Alamo draft houses, but none near me were playing it. And it really bummed me out. Um, But this year, thankfully, Godzilla Day branched out into more theaters. So this year it was Godzilla against Mechagodzilla. Uh, from early, I think it was like 2001, 2000, 2001, somewhere in there, because uh, Godzilla against Mechagodzilla had never been released in the U.S. before. 
And I was like, well, this is going to be exciting. And it absolutely was. And I had a ball and a half. But I really, really wish I could have seen that version of Biollante. And like you said, I really hope that there's a, a home release of it because it deserves it. Yeah, they've done seven films, oh, eight films in total. They've re- the 4K'd. Um, this is one of the, I don't know what the other ones are. I guess Mecha Godzilla must be one of them. But yeah, I, I hope this is. It's got to be, hasn't it? I mean, they're not going to spend all that money restoring and going frame by frame just from the film negatives to uh, not not release it. So that 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 smells good, but um, we shall see. But I'll I'll buy it. I'm just hoping that Criterion put out the Heisei collection next. Oh my god! And then it can be on the next sight and sound list. Everyone will watch the Godzilla movies, and it'll be there. Be like John Dealman, number two, Godzilla vs. Biollante. <laughs> with a bullet in the bottom. <laughs> We'd have to do a really surreptitious takeover of, of <laughs> film critics and directors to make that happen. But <laughs> I think... it's happened before. Just read about how the Oscars get given out, right? Oh, the absolutely. For your consideration BS that goes on. So it can happen. So what we have to do, for Nick's doing God's work, obviously, by going on every podcast known mm-hmm. in Christendom to... Mm-hmm. Get this film in. So obviously, mm-hmm. the word one person at a time. You're just that's, like that's the, that's I the mean, plan, right? Yeah, I mean, it's got a it's got a female kaiju. Come on, this is you know this it's is what so we need. Aggressive representation. and forward thinking. And yeah. it's a female kaiju. It's got two psychic girls. Um, yeah, yeah, it's great. And and at the end of the, and at the end of the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just <laughs> grasping at things that happen now, aren't we, Nick? It's like. <laughs> Yeah, man. There's Exploding underwater scenes. helicopters. Um, <laughs> you, your lips got ears. It's basically <laughs> the same way that we've got the Brotherhood of Cthulhu over here. You're citing the uh, the Brotherhood of <laughs> Biollante. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, <sighs> all it takes, apparently, according to the census, all you need is 20 people to have your own religion. That's all it takes to oh, be recognised. Okay. Okay. That's another. Is that, fact. is that is that in the UK? That's in the UK. In the I don't UK, know what. I don't think Americans have census, or if it works the same way. Oh, they have census. Yeah. Yeah, we census. do. This we is do. why. Yeah, you we think do. we don't count each yeah. other? Like, this is why we got such stupid things, such as like people registering themselves as hobbits, or that they speak Elvish as their spoken word, <laughs> because everyone wants to be a comedian, and you only need twenty people or more to make to really bugger someone's census. Yeah, so yes, we have a Brotherhood of Cthulhu, our recognized religion, according to the census. <laughs> hey, I mean, if Scientology cancel. can be a religion, so can Oh, that. you're going to get us cancelled saying that. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Okay, cancel. <laughs> edit, edit, edit. Oh, don't you don't worry. worry. You got no, uh... We worship the ancient ones <laughs> on this show. We supported the elder gods <laughs> of weird names and tentacle faces. Because, uh, yeah, we're. we're... We're shuffling, shambling yeah. horrors. That's what we are. But not racist things. <laughs> um, I would also really love that Yuko Shimizu would get the cover art for the, for when Criterion do the Heisai era, because I think she did a wonderful job with the uh, Shara mm-hmm. era. Yes, it doesn't fit on the shelf, um, but it is such yeah. a pretty set. Mm-hmm. More but reason if I had, to stand if... it on top. Yeah, if I had two the same, like I've got my Shaw Brothers <laughs> sets now. I've now got two that two things that won't fit on the shelf. I also they also need to 
I mean, I've got the Gamera set from Arrow, which is is another another completely different form factor as well. So, yeah, my poor little Godzilla Spine 1000 needs well, a friend. Remember when CDs first came out, they used to be in big rectangle boxes. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what yeah. these. Um, the current state of like these weird Criterion sets reminds me of. I just hope they fix the glue problem because I know a lot of people had problems with their sets coming unglued. So, if you just, I don't think I, I don't think I've poured through it that often to have that be a problem. <laughs> yeah, I've um, I took the suggestion of just keeping it in the shrink wrap, just waiting for that day when my kids aren't screaming about something so I can sit and enjoy it with a cup of coffee. Maybe it'd be this Christmas. I mean, I mean it's been four Christmases or so since I bought it, but you know maybe this would be the year. Yeah, it's got some lovely extra features. It's not just about the films and the mm. restorations and stuff like that. Like I said, when we talked about the first film, the the, the commentary track is on, on the first film is just really interesting and not as dry as these things can often be. That's the problem with a, a, a good commentary track is sort of like trying to engage the audience and not make it a list of things, which so many commentary tracks sort of descend into. It's sort of like where it becomes more the historical take on the film and its production history um if you can find someone that creates an engaging um discussion on the piece that even if they're not involved in the production i think that's always a, a good track to have oh yeah I, I will counter that by saying on the shaw brothers the first arrow shaw brothers set where um mighty peaking man the guy doing the commentary on that decides to list every film and that every actor that appears on screen it has appeared and 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 that's it's about 40 minutes into the film where he gets he gets to talk about films he gets so far behind as oh he does go uh oh it's india (laughs) that was my favorite line yeah um (laughs) yeah but the godzilla set is as 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 much as I've dived into it, I've watched about half the films on it. It's just wonderful. Yeah, I mean, the the Shari ever gave us so many great one-shot ideas because, uh, I mean, he flies, he does a flying drop kick, he talks, mm-hmm. um, he gets to hang mm-hmm. out with his monster buddies on Monster Island. He does mm-hmm. um, He does a little he does. Scottish jig. He gets a son and then just doesn't mm. fail to lose him for a few more movies. Um... <laughs> And there's so many alien plots. Yep. Yep. And it's not just the same alien. It's subterranean aliens. It's different aliens. No. Nope. I mean, think of how many there could be. <laughs> an, in, an infinite number of aliens, really. <laughs> yeah. So further viewing, what would you sort of recommend people watch after if they liked uh, Godzilla vs. Balanti? Where would you, anything you would want to recommend as a or pair it with at all? Um, for myself, I would obviously recommend watching Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, which uh, follows on from this one. I think it was a great reintroduction for the character and also gave us Mecha King Ghidorah and an alternate history uh, for Godzilla, where he turns up in a dinosaur. Uh, Nick? Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. I mean, just kind of knock it out that little trilogy that they started, Return of Godzilla, this film, and then Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah. I think those three are just – it's a nice little afternoon. You know what I mean? You watch the first two. You go make a sandwich. You finish up with Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah. It's perfect. Rashmi? I would recommend – yeah, I haven't seen many of the Heisei, but I I would say Shin Godzilla because it's another one of those kind of darker, uh, more adult – 
focused plots and has a lot of the similar themes around incompetent government and um yeah i'm probably paired with that one Steven. i'll i'll recommend something that's not a film and that's not godzilla but um and and i'm appealing to the into your mate lackey on this but um watch the uh the doctor who serial the seeds of doom which has a very similar plot without a godzilla about a plant and that's, that's taking over the world um, special effects make this look like ray harryhausen mate but um that's that's the nature of it. but yeah that that would be a, that would be a good pairing or that would be a long I, afternoon because it's one of those six six episode I, ones <laughs> i so thought you were going to say the one where they used the loch ness monster uh the terror yeah. of the zygons yes yeah that which is very similar to um to the initial iteration of Biolante when it's just a <laughs> toilet roll arm going around the place <laughs> cool anyway so that brings us to the end of tonight's uh, episode and uh, brings another Kaiju Christmas to a close. Thank you, as always, for listening, and thank you very much to my guests tonight. Um, Nick, you're obviously out there being professional podcast host and occasionally giving us uh, episodes of Rehack Radio, which is fantastic, and over on Mixcloud, and I recommend you check it all out. Anything else? Thank you, man. I, it, I really, I really, it. I really enjoyed that. Really enjoyed the episodes that you put out, and you managed to find the one Bruce Springsteen song I actually do like. So, well done, you. Hey, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> have you got anything else coming on the pipeline at all? Any other appearances we should know of? Um, I, I do, but I honestly don't know when they're coming out. So I'll just do like the most recent things. Um, movies, films, and flicks, episode 462. Mark Hoffmeyer invited me on. And we drafted our favorite songs from the Night at the Roxbury soundtrack and Pulp Fiction soundtrack. And over at Exploding Helicopter, uh, Will had me on and we talked about Shadow Conspiracy. And before that, we talked about the Godzilla film from 2014. Fantastic. Uh, Rashmi, what about yourself? You got anything coming up at all? Anything you want to plug? Um, I've been, I, as I mentioned, you all gave me a really nice start. So I've been guesting on another podcast called Yesteryear Ballyhoo Review. And um, we talked about uh, Kurosawa in the first one. We did High and Low. Uh, I also went on to talk about Le Samurai uh, from Melville. And we're actually be doing some Seijin Suzuki movies coming up. So, yeah, that's another podcast I, I occasionally show up on. <laughs> and you on Lairbox or anything like that you want to? No. Nope. Okay. <laughs> it's like yet another. That's just yet another service that's gonna get my data and then charge me to use it it's, and see it. It's so, the one nope, social I'm media that it. I like is Letterbox. Nick, mm. are you on Letterbox at the moment? Are you also fighting the man? I was on there for like five days, and I'm like, this is too much. And then I stop. <laughs> well, <laughs> that one failed miserably, didn't it? <laughs> Um, Stephen, anything you got coming up at all? Well, um, I'm on Letterboxd, but only because I've used it this year to track every movie Boy. that I've watched, um, which is the first time I've ever really done it. And not just movies, TV shows, and but not all TV shows, just ones that I wanted to record. Um, so yeah, um, I don't. What's my name on there? Guelo Rambling. Probably yes. what it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What else am I? Well, obviously, still got the old Barbie podcast going uh, with Emily. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> 
bitch Nick finds hilarious. <laughs> Last time we were, <laughs> when we were on the, when we were on the land together a few weeks ago, it was boobies and Barbie. Um, yes. <laughs> the Barbie doll. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things that's come out of Letterbox this year, it, it, it did uh, as all the sort of services are doing. Here's what here's here's a breakdown, some AI bot breakdown of what you've watched, and it turned out I'd watched more films from Canada than anywhere else, and I thought that's a bit odd. How can that be? And then I realised it was the Barbie movies are all made by a Canadian <laughs> animation studio. Um, yeah, so Emily and I are still doing that. I think I think we're on a bit of a hiatus over Christmas, but that'll um, that'll rock up again. And uh, you laugh, but it's got more listens than any <laughs> it other podcast. Not surprise I believe it. <laughs> I believe that totally. Yeah. So yeah, I think we we're, we're, we're mid into um, phase two of the Barbie universe now, where they reset everything. Um, and uh, obviously, we're looking forward to that. Is a film what we are looking forward to this year is the um, Greta Gerwig Barbie movie with uh, um, what's her name, Margot Robbie, and uh, what's his Ryan, name? Um... Ryan Ryan Bland, that guy Gosling. You didn't like um... La La Land. <laughs> I've never oh, seen La La God, Land. It, it's, it's a musical, mate. I can't. I can stand it. Deserve it deserves the Oscar for Moonlight by a country mile. If I have to watch a movie, just watch two guys make out. I mean, I, I tell you what. That... I did like um, Lars and the Real oh, Girl, yeah. where he played someone who who basically has a romantic relationship with a sex doll. And he was that good was in The Believer good. and Blade Runner twenty forty six. But he is pretty bland isn't it you often forget about the believer it's rather intense isn't it anyway underrated for sure (laughs) anyway yeah barbie stuff um and um and obviously we've got the show elwood that i'm hiding from us about apocalypse Mm. movies that, uh, when is will... that coming? When and is Stephen it coming? Lets me About a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! We've got ten episodes in the can, and I haven't. Look, you got to get out the apocalypse show before the apocalypse happens. Really so apocalypse. You better get started. It, it, it's more about it's more about the first season's more about the sort of dreadful futures that we were shown as British people during ah. the 70s and 80s so things like 1984 yeah, great. Um, uh, Clockwork Orange fantastic Eds, which probably won't mean anything to you guys which is our version of the day after but really grim um, yeah Fred's um, is probably one of the scariest and, movies you will ever watch um, and we also did uh, one on public safety movies which is great as well so mm-hmm. uh, Fahrenheit 451 um, Doctor Who Dalek Invasion Earth, 2150 AD. We did that as well. Yeah, but you know, that that kind of thing. We, 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 in the 70s and 80s, we were oppressed. (laughs) It wasn't, it wasn't a very great time. And and I was really... Dark days over here too, yeah. But we were, um, yes, obviously you were like post-Watergate. We were just sort of post-Watergate. I mean, we have, you you had Thatcher, we had Reagan. I mean, they were both bad, you know. (laughs) They did the same thing. My my New Year's resolution is to get those episodes edited and out. My my excuse was I was trying to write a theme tune for it, but I've given up trying to work my synthesizer, so I'll just um I'll either give them to Elwood to edit. Maybe you can hire that guy that did the Violante soundtrack. <laughs> He's yeah. probably looking for work. <laughs> you saying we didn't want to listen Maybe. to a funk disco remix of March of the Monsters? <laughs> it, it goes pretty wild in places. Of- that one does. 
Some of these episodes of the Barbie podcast are over an hour, and some clock in at nearly two hours long. So Emily and I, wow. um, um, we do like to chat. Um, she does a good job on editing. <laughs> they are not necessarily unfettered. Um, we did one on Logan's Run, which isn't a um, isn't a Barbie one, but it's part of her, her show, and we recorded Two over hours. three and a half hours. Forty minutes? Oh my god! <laughs> what is this serious? What? Give oh my a, goodness! Give them a listen. I think you'll I'm find gonna. you'll be converted. Oh, I'm gonna now. This is <laughs> that's, incredible. That's, that's your Christmas sorted. What I'll say is, I think I can't remember how many Barbie movies we've done. We've done between fifteen and twenty. There, we're not even halfway through, and they release two every year. It's um, it, it's it's quite the commitment that it's we've like made. The DC animated movies they release a fair few, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if I tell people I'm doing DC animated movies, people just go, "Oh, he's doing the DC animated movies." When I say I'm doing Barbie films, I get pretty much the reaction you guys gave me, which you've done probably. nineteen. There's been nineteen episodes released so far. Yeah. So yeah, that gives you something to do like on the Christmas. The Waylon Smithers of podcasting, aren't you, Stephen? Because <laughs> <laughs> he likes Malibu Stacy. He loves Barbie. Oh, Malibu oh, Stacy. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, does. Yeah, um, yeah. He funds a musical in Mexico about Malibu Stacy called uh, Parts Sold Separately. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, and if you listen to the podcast, that there have been times where I've nearly bought things <laughs> off eBay to go with the movies. There was there oh, was boy. one with a with a an interactive cat that did things as you watch Barbie and the Three Musketeers, and I was this close to, to buying one to find out what on earth it did. I imagine it reacted to some sounds or something, and then I thought I had to stop it because it was ridiculous. But <laughs> that's a good movie. Well, it's a good Barbie movie. Please listen. Right, enough of this. What are you doing, Elwood? Anything? Well, by the time this one comes out over Movies and Tea, we will have released our top 10 film discoveries of 2022. Uh, so you can find out what uh, the films that uh, myself and Kim saw for the first time this year. Um, we're also going to be leading into our creature feature season as we go into the new year. So we're going to be charting the history and evolution of the creature feature genre. Uh, we also have some great After Hours episodes in there as well. We've got the Cabinet of Curiosities uh, season one breakdown. We've got um, City of Ash, sorry, City of Ember and um, Mortal Engines which is a film that I think deserves way more love and a series that I'm really sad is not being continued by Peter Jackson. But you can listen to those episodes and listen to me rant about that. Um, And going into 2023, we're going to be doing more stuff on Game Warp. um, So getting to talk about more independent and retro video games and hopefully going to get more guests on to that show and this show and just going to generally try and branch out more and do more guest stuff and bring us help support more indie podcasts that's going to be the theme of 2023 is supporting the indie podcast scene uh because at the moment it's saturated market with zedless celebrities putting out uh, their product and uh there's too many great indie podcasts being overlooked so uh on that note if you haven't done already please do hit the like and subscribe button wherever you happen to be listening to us leave us a review let us know what you think of the show and follow us on facebook twitter instagram come and say hi to us there or check out our blog which is asiancinemafilmclub.wordpress.com and also check out our sponsor yes please vintage 
Um, and if you're in the Baltimore area, look out uh, at your local flea marks and collector markets. Um, as she more than likely will be there with the store, but you can find all details over on her Instagram, which is Yes Please Vintage. But until next time, thank you as always for listening. Thank you to my co host, Stephen. Thank you to our guest panel tonight, which is obviously tonight Rashmi Menon and Nicholas Rehack. Thank you. Thank you for having me so much. Um, But until next time, have a wonderful festive season, and we will see you in the new year for more jaunts into the weird and wonderful world of Asian cinema. But until then, good night.